Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are here on a Sunday night, ready for your Monday delivery. Anxious to talk to you about UFC 279, which took place last night here in Las Vegas. An epic card, but in uh, in a different way. And we're going to cover it all uh, here on this episode. We'll cover the results and, of course, the latest news that is attached to the card. The, the mayhem that went down starting midweek, throughout the weekend, uh, all the way up to fight night. And, of course, everything that kind of comes out of that. So, buckle up. All right. So, how would you categorize this past weekend goes? UFC 279, the fight card fight week everything chaos um it was not for my liking uh the the madness that went on i mean we're kind of lucky that everything stayed intact um that possibly we got a better card out of it but really you know i think when everything went down i looked at it and i said i think we have a better card but when it played out, I realized my mistake. And my mistake was this. There's a reason why these matchups make get made months in advance. There's a reason why there's training camps while fighters focus on, on their opponent, watch film, train for three rounds versus five rounds. All that played out in front of our eyes where we saw fighters that just took a while. Some of them played it safe. Some of them took a while to figure out what was actually going on. Um, it looked like sparring sessions out there at, at some point. And so now looking back, I'm kind of mad that all that went down the way it did. All right. So two things. I should have mentioned this on Saturday. But in a way, you got a taste of what the UFC goes through when there's a shakeup. You had a bunch of stuff done pre-fight for our enjoyment during the watch along including breakdowns of hamzat versus diaz daniel rodriguez versus uh kevin holland and Jing liang versus tony ferguson when all that got shaken up the ufc's got a team of about 300 500 you know they all do different things but they can at least throw uh a dozen at the marketing you know which includes possibly new posters digital and you know, all the rebranding that's got to be done, all the stuff on the production side that's got to be done to promote 
the new fights for the next 24 hours because when all this shakeup took place, it was announced at 3 p.m. Pacific time on Friday by Dana White, and the fight started at 3 p.m. on Saturday, so literally 24 hours to move things around. And you got a little bit of uh, a taste of that, right? Having to kind of produce new graphics. One team passes it to you. You got to forward it to someone else. You were, you know, like, talk about that first. And then let's get back to the fight card. Oh, it was an absolute disaster. So if we go back to the beginning of the week, I actually caught a break. Because what what ends up happening are between the one-on-ones and then the presser where all the fighters are there. I have to take those clips and then turn those into clips for the watch along. If you remember, the press conference was canceled, right? Which means I actually would have had less work. I actually kind of got a little bit of a victory. Now, granted, I would have loved to have those clips because they make the watch along more enjoyable, but I had a couple. So then fast forward to the next day where everything falls apart. Now, not only did I lose out on that? Now I have to restart from the get-go because none of the matchups make sense. None of the keys to victory make sense. I was actually talking to Rich Franklin that day, and he was talking about from their point of view, like one championship, when just when one fight falls apart. He's like, we have to pay so many people to turn things around and, and make this new poster, make this new graphic, and get with the, the television people and make sure they got all this because people that are already tired because they've worked the amount of work that it takes to make a, an event go off now have to do double the work, right? Not to mention you have to pay them double again. So, yeah, it, it was a freaking nightmare. On top of everything, this is the first time we decided to do a watch along at the Sticky Paws studio. So everything's kind of a little bit new. Um, it, yeah, to answer your question, absolute nightmare. Yeah, so you often hear Dana White talking about that, having to – switch things around i mean they switched the venue for crying out loud once which uh, you remember that one that had to do with john jones and alex gustafson and they went from vegas to la like or vice versa i think it was vegas to la but anyway they they've had to do a lot of stuff on the fly that i found a new respect for because of i could see our our channels where we talk as a team they were even anticipating possible matchups, trying to get ahead of possible matchups. Then we got to pass it on to the team at Panda. They got to redo them. Then we got to pass them on to the team at Sticky Paws, you know, because they're obviously hosting us. And that's, you know, pales in comparison to what everything the UFC had to do. But all of this, folks, because on Thursday, the teams kind of got into it behind the scenes. We last left you on Thursday morning. This hadn't happened yet. All the teams kind of, well, no, not all the teams. Kevin Holland and Hamzat Shemaev had words. Hamzat Shemaev put his hands, or in this case, a foot, on Kevin Holland. He kind of pushed him like a push kick just to kind of get a, a piece of him, right? Holland wasn't too bothered by it. They weren't really hard push kicks because people were in between. It's just he was able to touch them that way. And so as they're separating that, uh, those two, then the Diaz crew comes in, rolling about anywhere from 37 deep to 50 deep to 70 deep, whoever you want to believe. It kept getting higher and higher. And so somehow they stick their nose in whatever's happening. A couple of water bottles get thrown. And things start to temper down. The UFC security team kind of gets a hold of, of the problem by basically calming down uh, these teams and letting cooler heads prevail. But it's still, 
it could still explode. In other words, the pilot, you know, the 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 flame hadn't been uh, extinguished all the way. And all someone needed to do was add a little bit of gasoline. This thing could blow up, right? This is happening behind the curtain, um, which is, you know, crowd, stage, curtain, teams, right? They're all in the back waiting to come out so that they can participate in the press conference, and then they face them off. And, you know, the UFC, that's pretty valuable to them. They have a chance to answer questions from the press, a few from the fans, and then the, and then they start, you know, uh, facing off against each other. So... There's, you know, a decent amount of fans in attendance, and slowly Dana White is getting the word that this is just a, a, a possible situation that could escalate, and he'd rather err on the side of caution, but obviously, you know, they've committed to doing this. They got, they rented the space from MGM Grand, they pay people to, you know, work this event, you know, not that aren't part of the UFC, like, you know, security staff and Things like that. So Alaka was kind of into just even a uh, a, pr- a press conference. Mm-hmm. And so then he decides, I'm going to bring him out two by two. And so you saw Daniel Rodriguez and Kevin Holland talking a little bit. Remember, they haven't been pair- they haven't been unpaired or whatever you want to call it. So they're still scheduled to fight. This is Thursday afternoon. And then Dana White's getting word that, you know, in the back, it's still a volatile situation. And so he goes, chale. And he goes, that's it. We're not going to do this. It's my, my gut's telling me not to do it. I want to. I want to go on with this because he's, you know, answering the booze. And he just feels like, no, nah, this isn't the right thing. So, And so basically what I think it came down to goes was they were just understaffed. They have a security team to handle, you know, anything that happens on the stage because it's usually fighter and fighter, you know, or in the case of a win, fighter and corner and fighter and corner. But when you're talking about, now they're talking about maybe possibly Hamzat's team being 25, the other team being 40, and anything can break out, you know? I mean, look at the Palace and the Malice. You know, the two teams started it out. Remember, if you if you recall, it was Ben uh, – what was his name? The Wallace. defender. Well, ben Wallace and Ron Artest. You know, things started off with them, and then Artest goes and takes a little nap on the scores table. Then the fans got into it, and so really it went from – two people to possibly 12, you know, that are kind of like getting into it. So 12 on each team and some coaches. So now all of a sudden you involve thousands and you can't get a hold of that. And I think Dana was probably thinking, mm, and plus we're talking fighters here, you know, not like some foot center that probably ain't got too much, too many moves to worry about. So he says, nah, let's not do this. The crowd obviously doesn't like it, but he airs on the side of caution. So that's that. Then we get to Friday and we're hearing Hamza's not going to make weight. And I watched, I've spent 30 minutes watching Hamzat's team, a video that they had produced, kind of a fight week. And it was pretty good, I must say. It was, he had his own videographer. And so he showed a version of what was happening. And he, you know, even though he says, the doctor stopped me, if you watch that video, his team didn't like the way he was cramping up. So they said the first four kilos, which I think is approximately eight or nine pounds, came off good. And then all of a sudden he hit a part where he, where he was starting to cramp up. What I don't know goes is where was that? Three pounds away, two pounds away? You know, I don't know because I don't know how many he was cutting all together. And I was trying to see what that number was. But eventually he was cramping up. And so they called the doctors. The doctors came over and said, you can't continue to cut. So Hamza can say whatever he wants in terms of like, ah, the UFC stopped me. I would have kept going. 
bro, we get it. You're tough. You're one of the toughest dudes out there, but you're cramping up. Your team's concerned. That was not on the UFC staff. That was on you. And and his coach, Andreas, made a job, made, did a good job of saying, I'm mad. I'm disappointed. But look, that happened. Health first. It, but once that was done, we were we were ready to fight. We were ready to fight the new opponent. But he did a good job of of admonishing his guy and saying, you know, that that's that was unprofessional. So that I'm glad that I saw that we can clear up in time here. What I don't know is how close he got. Because when he stepped on the scale, he was 178 and a half. You get to 171. So that's seven and a half pounds over. One could go, oh, my God, that is egregious. How the heck did he do? Well, he was cutting, folks. And that's what I don't know is if he got to 172, 174, 175. And I don't know at what point he was cramping up with a whole night to go or what. So to be fair to him, we don't know how close he would have gotten, right? You with me so far? Yeah. Okay. So then, and I'll tie this all into some other stuff as well. But as far as that goes, that's why he weighed in so much. Whereas Nate weighed in 171, the other guy was 178 and a half. And so they say Nate was well within his right to just decline. DC was saying that as a competitor, that's too much. That's an advantage. Um, Nate never really wanted the fight, you know? So maybe that was even his chance to go, cool, you know, like, give me Tony then, because Tony weighed in at 171, and he's a contemporary of mine, a longtime colleague of the lightweight division. Let's roll. Of course, the fans would be into that. The fans would have been into it if that would have been the original thing. The fans would have been into it if that had been done three years ago, but it, it no. But we're here now, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so we're there. So apparently this Hunter Campbell guy, the tall guy with the glasses, he's got a law degree who's kind of in slowly injected himself, apparently through hard work and hustle, man. But, you know, I remember Dana White saying a long time, this guy's kind of, you know, helped us out. And he's, you know, so at, at first, even Dana was almost making it sound like, yeah, this guy, we can't get rid of him during the meetings. Apparently, this guy's become very valuable because he offers legal expertise probably a decent negotiator who who knows but this guy goes apparently is the one that kind of reshuffled the deck right and he said now we're gonna go with um tony versus nate diaz we're gonna go with hamzad versus kevin holland because they're the two that had the problem and holland went in at 180 to match d rod's 180 because they agreed because it was a late uh, uh a late booking that they would just cut to 180 and why did they agree to that? Because this card wasn't stacked. That's a mistake the UFC made. So they needed to fill in. And you got a late Lee Jing Liang versus Tony Ferguson and a late Daniel Rodriguez versus um, Kevin Holland. So those guys get to weigh in at 180. So now Holland matches Hamzat and Tony matches Nate. And then you're left with Lee Jing Liang versus D-Rod, except Lee Jing Liang weighed 171. D-Rod weighed 180. So I'm almost done here. But I'm telling you, some of this finally makes a little bit of sense at the post-fight press conference they said hey kevin i earlier somebody asked them so when all this was happening when did you anticipate it did you already know what your moves were going to be and i remember dana white saying well hey forget about us what we thought the commission wasn't going to allow it that's too much of a discrepancy and right away i was thinking wait wait wait, wait hold on a second then why wasn't a discrepancy for d-rod versus lee jing liang mm-hmm. you know what i mean if anything 180 to 171 is more than 178 and a half to 171 but no one followed up on that but i was thinking hold on a second why does the commission not have a problem with that that's why 
when there's conspiracies out there, well, that's what the UFC originally wanted. I want to shut them down so quick because they're usually ridiculous. But they exist, goes, because the head of the promotion doesn't give clear and concise answers that can address everything, right? And this is part of the big six, we'll call them. It's not like someone said, wait a minute, what about that fight at 3 p.m.? Wasn't there an issue there? No, this was one of them. So he should have had either someone should have followed up on him or he should have had an answer. And whatever it was, I probably would have been okay with it, honestly. But Lee Jing Liang, much respect to that guy because he fought a guy that weighed in heavier than him, a guy that's usually a welterweight, to be fair. But that's why you saw the discrepancy, and that might have even made the difference in the split decision. I'm done. I'm done through Thursday and Friday, but what a mess. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, uh, that's what we got out of it. Like, the UFC did the best that they could with that situation. I'm sure it cost them money, regardless of of what they say. It definitely cost them money. Uh, But the product that they delivered was really shit. And we could start at that fight right there. Like, you could just tell one guy was way bigger than the other. Um, They just... It took a while for them to get going to even figure out what was going on with each other because they didn't have any time to prepare for each other. You know, there's a reason why we do all this shit. So, yeah, I mean, watching that, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, man, I feel like I just got ripped off a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, Lee, to his credit, he was in shape. He was fluid. He was moving around. And remember I had said, oh, boy, on Embedded, he's still in the show. He's so charismatic. He's, you know, he's uh, appealing to the camera and everything. I think he was doing a little bit too much of that to, um, last night. At times when he was fighting, he was fighting, right? But he just wasn't doing enough to convincingly give the refs, or sorry, the judges 10 nines so that we could all go, it was a robbery. All it was was a, just a suspect decision. You know, I, that, that's how I graded it, but I didn't think it was the worst thing ever either because neither guy was offering much. On D-Rod's side, he just didn't look as sharp as he normally does, A, because he didn't have to cut weight, so he's a little softer, you know, or whatever. Um, and B, he only had three weeks to prepare. Now, yeah, I know they're always in shape or whatever, but they really, really fine-tune tune, uh, themselves, you know, when they prepare for battle. And you can notice the difference. Guy's not fucking 16-2 and two for no reason, whatever he is. He's 7-1, and one, I think, in the UFC, Daniel Rodriguez. Um, but, yeah, that he was lucky to get that one because I scored it for Lee Jing Liang. I think you did as well, goes. I think Dana White saw it that way. I know a lot of people that were watching the fights along with us, they felt the same way. But, again, not enough for us to say, let's pick at the T-Mobile, right? Mm-hmm. Right. No, no, it was definitely a close fight. And I and I feel for the leech in that situation because of everything that happened to him through, throughout the week. And on top of that, a decision that – probably should have gone his way didn't that really sucked and i hope at the end of the day all this gets uh cleared up a little bit for him mm-hmm. but uh that mu- this must have been a miserable week for that kid i hope he gets compensated for taking on the fight where he took on someone you know heavier and in the press conference he didn't get to show off his suit and then he possibly got you know What's another word for robbed, dude? You know, I don't really like to use that, but he may, he may have just got the sh- shortchanged, you know, and then in the decision. And it sucks because he didn't show up to fight D Rod. He showed up to fight Tony Ferguson. He went from, hey, this guy's going to be a little smaller than me to, you know, so I got to get maybe some quicker guys in my training camp to this guy's, you know, a little bit bigger than me because he didn't have to cut. 
anyway, I mean, they're all warriors. I salute them all, honestly. I really hope every single one got an extra zero, you know, from the UFC. But it, it, it really – so that's the part of the sport that, you know, as much as I love the work that Hunter Campbell did, and I'm sure Dana White and the other guys patching it all up, giving us a show, you're right, goes. We're, we're in this pickle because – UFC 279 just wasn't as addressed as tight as the other uh, fight cards. Like, here's an example. October 22nd. We're only on September 11th right now. That's five weeks away, maybe even closer to six. And that card's been settled. What goes? Jan versus O'Malley. Mm-hmm. Algerman versus Dillashaw. Uh, Charles Oliveira. I think they announced that shit either on Amanda's card, UFC 277, or UFC 276, an international fight. That one's been said, bro. You know what I mean? That one's been said. All the guys are sharpening, you know, iron sharpens iron and all that. UFC 279 kept getting sprinkled on here and there. And so so, so the UFC has to own up for that. They never will. And I get it. They, you know, because I, I, the way a night of fights is awesome. But that, I think, also doesn't help the fighters, you know, come in at their best as well because they're just kind of like filling in, helping out. Yeah, no, I mean, that definitely helps in those types of scramble situations. Look, I think they did the best that they could do. It's just I'm mad that they were put in that situation. I'm I'm mad at Hamzat's sort of attitude. Um, I think he could have been a little bit more humble in, in everything that was caused because of what he did. Regardless of whether the UFC, a doctor, whoever stopped him, doesn't matter. He just didn't make the weight. He could have been one pound off. He just didn't make it. And because he didn't do it, it screwed everything up. So, um I don't know that you can really puff your chest so much like this, you know? Goes, he could have even screwed things up. What was it on Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken? When Hint, when Costa and Shields were at the UFC PI, Hamzat's there. Hamzat is being held back. Now, I don't know if Hamzat enters the cage and throws a punch or gets punched. You know, I don't know what happens, but he could have maybe jeopardized the card there. If he, what if yeah. he, let, let's just give him credit and say he knocks out Shields. He knocks out Costa and he knocks out five USC guys. Seven KOs, I'll give him, right? But in the process, he breaks his hand. We, mm-hmm. we might not have a main event now. So he did that. Then there's, you know, then there's like little problems at the New York, New York. There's problems at the at the press conference. There's just so many th- different things that kind of took place. Yeah, I think, and and I thought Dana White should have buried him a little bit more on on the uh, on the post fight press conference. But you could tell he was so exhausted. He was just glad the card was over and maybe going forward. He will say something to him, but, you know, he does say, hey, these are fighters. What do you want me to do? Well, bro, they're top-notch athletes as well. They're not thugs, and I get it. They fight. I get it, but they fight in a cage for money. We call them prize fighters. So you can't just also get two lakhs of days ago where all of a sudden you have these big entourages roaming all over town, possibly getting into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, I mean, you know, every once in a while they'll sprinkle these things that just – you know, like looking forward, now we're gonna uh, we're gonna have more security. Like, you want to go? Duh! I mean, come on! Like, don't you know who's involved in these fights and and all the the back and forth? But who knows? I mean, even if they had double the security, I don't know that it helps them in a situation like that. You definitely have to limit these entourages. You can't be rolling in with this many people. Even in boxing, they cut it off at some point. Right? <laughs> it's true. It's true, man. We're always talking about boxing, how they fill up the ring and uh, during the weigh-ins, during the fights. <laughs> You know, and then they, uh, yeah, that's boxing, though. What do you want to do? You know, I guess I've kind of accepted it. But, yeah, so uh, they say that the that the Diaz group just doesn't pay attention. They do their own thing. Who knows? But um, in that video that I was watching, 
when Hamzat got into it with Kevin Holland in the back, it was just Hamzat and his head coach, Andreas. It was not Hamzat. And he had 20-some people on the other side of the curtain. And so when things could have escalated, yeah, I mean, that's not, it's not like a curtain's going to stop anything. But the Diaz crew was rolling deep behind the curtain. They, the security, the UFC security is saying, hey, they, they're just not listening to us or whatever, and we just want to get to Saturday night. We want to get you guys paid. You know, everybody seemed to try and kind of have a level head. And I don't want anyone to think something really, really did break out. I think what they just tried to do was, um, it, you know, squash what could have been. And I kind of applaud the UFC for that, honestly, because, you know, it does suck for the fans that took the time to go to this press conference. But I think that probably was the safer play. Um, the water the water bottle incident was just one dude walking out, if you'll recall, with about 10 mm-hmm. dudes. They And it's the same group. They walk out. Conor McGregor gets pissed, one or two water bottles go, and then, you know, apparently some kid got hit, someone else got hit, but, you know, imagine what could have happened there. Now throw in entourages on both sides. That could be really, really ugly. Yeah, things can get really, really out of hand, and that's the problem is, like, when these things happen, nobody really steps up and takes accountability for it. They kind of do, but they really don't, and um, that only feeds into this, right? Like, if you're going to sit there and say, what do you want from me? They're fighters. Well, then, fuck, what do you think they're going to do on their end? They're going to feel pretty good about what they did, right? Exactly. So what they should do is what you said, limit entourages. You can't control how they move about the hotel, I suppose. But what you want, might, what you might want to do is split the two teams up, you know, so that they're not roaming around at the same hotel. One team's at yeah. the New York, New York. The other team, I guess, is at the Mandalay Bay. And I wouldn't even put them at, at, at uh, Park MGM because – the only thing in between them is Toshiba Plaza, which has restaurants, and obviously these camps go and eat and drink, and so you can cross paths there. But you maybe just want to separate them where they're at least you know half a mile, a mile apart. I don't know, but learn from that. As far as entourages behind the curtain, hey, it's you and the guy that, and maybe one person who holds your water, keeps you hydrated, checks your phone, whatever. You know, I don't know. Same as same as they as they do in the weigh-ins, that's it. Now, once they're in the stadium, what can you do? You know, you can't stop them. The entourages might mix it up once they're inside. I don't know. But um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, look, it, it just Hamza was kind of in the middle of a lot of these, you know, he was the eye in a lot of these hurricanes. And none of them, thank God, was an F4 or an F5. But, you know, we had some tropical storms out there. But I want to get to back to something you were saying. So Saturday night, Lee and Daniel Rodriguez, two good fighters, two good welterweights, are 10 pounds apart, at least on fight on uh, the day before. I don't know what their fight day was, but um, there didn't it look like sparring at times. It looked like sparring and then a fight, but mostly sparring, maybe like 10 minutes of sparring, five minutes of fight. And then didn't you feel the same in Tony Ferguson versus Nate Diaz? Same thing, like maybe that one was more 10 minutes of fight. I mean, they were, you know. Some eyes got dotted up. Some cuts needed to be tended to. Some kicks, some swelling. So there was some fight in there too, but they looked a little bit slower, man. I mean, maybe again, I'll give Ferguson the pass three weeks, you know, at welterweight, so he doesn't have to push his cardio as much. And you know, when you're lighter, you're faster. Nate, who knows? Maybe last fight. I think he did say he didn't really wrestle much. You know, he started confessing stuff at the post fight, but um, it, it was noticeable, like you said. Yeah, there weren't optimal conditions for this to go on. And uh, on top of that, I don't care what the UFC says. 
these guys got some pretty big checks for doing what they did. And, you know, most of the time, not every time, not every fighter is like this, but most of the time fighters are fighting for win bonuses. Uh, they're fighting for what could be next in their career. Dude, in this particular fight, man, I mean, look, Tony Ferguson was on a skid, but he's in a situation where he can almost not lose at this point because he took a fight on short notice. It's up a weight class. Um, it's five rounds versus three. Yeah. I, I think he just relaxed. I, I think he was just too relaxed out there. And Nate Diaz is probably one foot out the door anyway. He didn't seem like he really cared. On mm-hmm. top of that, they just looked really slow. Um, I think part of all that is the fact that they don't know, uh, you know, they didn't prepare for each other. But at the end of the day, they're two fighters of, of, of any fighters on the roster. Those might be the two that you picked that probably would get over that pretty quickly, right? I don't know. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Nate seemed, seemed like he just never really wanted to. He just wanted to get out of his contract. And if it took getting in a fight, he was willing to do it after these long layoffs, after going through so many opponents and just having to face someone that has fought at middleweight and welterweight, whereas he is a lightweight and welterweight. You know, so obviously, no matter how you dress it up, even if they both would have weighed 171, still was a bigger dude that cuts a lot to get to 171 versus a guy that probably doesn't cut as much, you know. But even the fight that we thought could have been good gets messed up by a guy that decides to high-five right after they touch gloves, and that's Mm -hmm. Kevin Holland, who I really like as a fighter goes. I'm telling you, if you were to say, hey, name your top five favorites, he'd probably be in there. I just like the guy. Whether he wins or loses, uh, I like the whole superhero thing. I like the way, you know, he talks. He keeps it real even when he loses. But, bro, you just got into it at the press conference. This guy don't like you. All right? Now you get to fight him. And he's honest and he tells Joe Rogan, hell no. I think he said some other word. But he goes, hell no. This this is a tougher fight than the one I, I was supposed to have. And so now you get in there. And, frankly, I just didn't even think they were going to touch gloves at all. But they do. They touch gloves. They go back to the fence. They say, start the fight. And now he wants to do one more high. Oh, man, I'm thinking, bro, like, hands low, prepare for the takedown. Because I had a feeling goes that for sure Shemayev did not want to go five rounds. And two, he was just holding on to so much because of they probably took some money away from him. There may be a fine in there for missing weight. I don't know. I've heard different stories. And at this point, he just needs to perform, you know what I mean, and and, and go home with two checks. Whatever there is of two checks, he needs to go home with them. And so I had a feeling this guy was just going to, you know, buzzsaw through him. And that's ex- exactly what he did, except Kevin Holland made it easy for him. This just happened in boxing. Didn't we? This was going to be a topic on spinning backlit. We were talking about this. It literally just happened in boxing. We have to get away from this, man. We really have to, especially, I mean, look, I don't hate Hamzat for doing that. All right. Yeah, it's a scumbag move, but uh, Kevin should have known better. Especially especially after everything that went on. I've thought about it a little bit, Goes. I'm not sure I'm with you on the scumbag move of it, because I'll tell you why. If I put my hand up to um, to make it look like I high-five, I could deliver a knee, too. Like, I may be sneaky. So from his end, I think he was just going to go for the takedown anyway. Um, but, you know, like, because he didn't high-five him, ah, I don't know, like, I, I won't I'll just go so far as to say like I, I wish he wouldn't have done it. I just I wish they would have started and figured out can you take him down? You know, 
it's not like Kevin Holland's hard to take down to begin with, but I think Kevin Holland obviously would add a bit more of a, a different approach. And look, once they started and they were scrambling and standing back up and getting, you know, getting slammed. I mean, Holland really, really was pretty hard to get a hold of. Eventually, when they did, he tapped. But it's not like he just laid down for the guy either. I just wonder what would that round have been like if just that first takedown wasn't a gimme? Because once he attached yeah. himself to it, he never let go. Yeah, and that's the thing. So we don't really feel like we saw a true fight. Not saying it wouldn't have ended up that same exact way. Right. But at least he would have had a fighting chance. And that, that's just so stupid. I, I'm, I just hate that, man. I really do. I love the touch of gloves, okay? I think it's great. But either everybody does it or nobody does it. Yes. Or do it and then retreat and then come out again but i thought you just did it before the fight you know what i mean it's like you kind of just did it like oh man like oh just i don't know i i'm i'm not a fan of it too much because of this um and no one saying hums out wouldn't have won for sure probably would have but again let's see how that first takedown goes let's see if kevin stuffs it you know and um let's see if Hamzat then he likes to stand and trade. Maybe Kevin hits him with a nice calf kick, and that's in Hamzat's mind now before he shoots again. Who knows? We'll never know. We'll never know. Honestly, I'd really like to see them fight one more time, maybe in two years or so. Um, and hopefully Hamza, uh, Kevin Holland keeps working with Johnny Hendricks or whoever. You know, keep keep that wrestling, you know, keep it sharp or whatever. But I, I still think Holland's just more of a 170, and it looks to me like Hamza might just be more one one eighty five. I mean, if you think about it, how can Hamza go to Dana White and go, "Hey, boss, um, so I'm next for the winner of Edwards versus Usman, right?" I mean, he's not in a position to do that. Yeah, that's silly, man. And he should be the number one guy because he beat Burns, but now he may get pushed to middleweight, you know, or he'll have to do some convincing. I think that's the right move. I think that's the right move. Move him the middleweight. There's a fight right, right, right there, right waiting for him. Paulo Costa, just put him on that revenge tour. Yeah. Do you think he should just stay with the heel because he was getting booed a lot? He's got no choice. He's got no choice, man. People were hating him. Yeah. Well, some people might ride with him. You know, I mean, it's not like the Diaz brothers have never told a, a thousands of fans to f off and and flip them off or whatever, but. I don't know. This one will be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, Hamza, we had an interaction with him at the airport on Monday. And honestly, he seemed pretty nice. It wasn't the most approachable guy, but at the same time, he wasn't like denying or anything like that. In fact, I wonder, goes, we were there, what? That was around 11, 15. Mm-hmm. Like, shouldn't a fighter on fight week just not even be out of it. Like maybe, maybe a team member should have went and picked up. I mean, it's, it's, it's Monday, you know. It's Monday. I don't want to be like overprotective, but usually a headliner probably has a, a a team that just picks up your your whoever it is. You know, in this case, he was open about it. He said his girlfriend, and maybe he fell late night. I'll just get her myself, but. Maybe if he was just kind of careless there, the way he was careless with other stuff, he just, the nutrition he put on his body, he got a little sloppy at the end. Could be. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, 
I'm kind of against that, especially at that level. I, I just think you got to have somebody that can do that for you. This was a guy that almost retired because he got coronavirus. Yeah. And an airport is a good spot. You know, if, if you're ever going to get it, that's probably one of the spots that is, is, is likely to get. Like, if you think about it from that angle, too, I know it's died down and all, but, you know, every day there's still people that get infected. And, and he had a, a rough bout. So, like like I say, that now that I think about it, he really, really jeopardized himself a little bit, uh, made, made bad decisions. Do you, I mean, this is a while, this is a long time ago, but when I graduated from college, I remember you guys didn't let me do jack shit. Everybody was kind of like, you know, I got to pick up my cleaners. I'll get it for you. I got to do this. I'll do it. That's kind of just what it is. You're that superstar for that moment. So a fighter that's in the main event. Yeah. Hell no, man. He should be in his room, not worrying about anything. Yeah. Cause I remember he was there for a while. I don't know if there was a delay or what. And think about it. Who goes to the airport? Usually it's like passenger pickup, but he had enough time to go. You saw him. He went to the restroom, came back, did the interview took a bunch of pictures, walked over by that little Starbucks, hung out there for a while. I mean, that was a good hour, maybe even longer that he was there. And um, that could have been time where you're resting. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, just even, you know, breathing in the pollution of an airport, right? Like all the the jet engines and all the shit that comes out of there, anything. Yeah, but he he, but he won. It was impressive, you know, what, what he did. And like I say, he may have done that anyway, even if there was no um high five attempt but whatever and he's a star and people like him i'm glad he speaks english he can communicate he should just remain a heel at this point i really would love to see him versus colby but i just don't think in fact that's what dana might tell him hey listen if you want me to put you in a title fight at 170 you got to prove to me that you can make it so guess what give me one more fight at 70 and if you can make it great but you got to fight covington and you better make weight and you better win it too. So two tests. Yeah. That's fair, right? Could be. Got to remember, like all that with Usman and uh, and Leon Edwards has to play out. That that's going to be a while. Yeah. Let's go over the rest of the card. I think we kind of covered these three. I mean, I guess Diaz. We'll probably cover that a little bit on spinning back click. You know, he says he wants to be a promoter. We know the fights that await him. Probably a Jake Paul fight. I don't know if he's a bare knuckle guy to be honest, but you never know, man. If they paid Paulie Malignaggi money to re- unretire from boxing, they got some money to spend, and I think they've given Payton a decent pay. So you never know. Look what the PFL offered Anthony Pettis just to show, and if he can get a million dollars, you never know there. So there's some stuff out there, you know. But but uh, I, I'm, I'm sure this fight paid him handsomely. What he did say though goes is it does sound like he will be back, and he will be back to fight Conor McGregor. Nope. You didn't say that? No, I'm saying that's just not going to happen. You don't think so? Well, I'll put it to you this way. I don't want to see it. I really don't give a shit. And that that last fight right there made me not give a shit even more, if that was possible. Um, He did not look like he took that serious. He looked older. Uh, We don't even know what Conor McGregor is going to look like. Conor McGregor can find a nemesis like that. He doesn't need Nate Diaz. Uh, we're gonna end up watching like Gracie Shamrock again, you know? Like, <laughs> oh, come on, you're going overboard there. It's, does it look like it would have been a competitive fight? Do you, well, both do you those guys are like forty, late forties, early fifties. Like, I mean, you think that Nate Diaz uh, would have beat the last Conor McGregor, the one that showed up against Dustin Poirier, won around from Dustin Poirier? I don't think so, man. They're going in different directions. 
I have yeah. no interest. Vincent, in he's broken his leg and he's partying a lot. And it ain't and it ain't happening anytime soon. Right? So for that fight, you know what they should do is is uh okay, let's say two million each to show. Connor's always gonna want more, so three million for Connor, two million for Nate to show. Yes, we'll each give you a cut of the pay-per-view, but guess what? There's also a a bonus for the winner. Like you gotta incentivize these guys. Because remember, there's not gonna be there's probably not gonna be a belt at stake. They both I mean Connor does seem to give a shit about belts, not the other guy. So I'm just wondering how can you incentivize so you do get a a an in-shape Nate? They're probably gonna want it at 170. So again, you know, they don't have to like really, really sharpen the the blades as much as as usually when they cut to 155. I don't know. The shit talking will be funny though. Kind of, but what does it really mean at this point? So you're on record. You don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. I guarantee you, goes this fight's going to happen at the stadium, and when it does, and the co-main event has just ended, I'm going to turn to you and go. The buzz is in the air. You regret saying you're not looking forward to it, right? You're 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 excited right now because you know one of the two their music's about to drop. And I think you're going to go, all right, I eat my words. How are you not going to be excited for that one? My life will be completely different because I'll be like 46 or 47 by the time this happens. All right. Well, we'll see. Uh, it ain't going to happen in the next year. I think if it happens, it's 2024. I don't think it'll happen in 2023. And by 2024, Diaz is almost 40. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're onto something. I don't know. All right. UFC 279 also had Irene Aldana versus Macy Chasson. Have you ever seen an upkick to the body and the fight? To the face? Yeah, but to the body? Not like that. And she claims that it's something they train, which I guess you kind of have to do. But there was a lot of confusion in that, you know, because Macy kind of grabbed her leg on the way down. It was just so odd. I really think that Aldana not rushing her probably helped that fight end the way it did. Because I think had she done that, Macy would have been forced to defend herself a little bit. And that pain would have eventually gone away. You know, she could have tied her up or something. You know, you don't know. But, uh, yeah, just the whole night, man, was just so weird. Mm-hmm. By the way, I wonder why this hasn't been talked about more. Because we know an upkick can knock you out. And every time they're in that position, they'll go, better watch out. You know, uh, an upkick can take, you know, can can KO you. He, he, he or she better be careful. Whoever's, you know, sometimes they're holding on to their ankles. They're trying to figure out if they're going to scissor right through and, and get inside someone's guard or put to the legs to the side and then come in with, you know, some Donkey Kong punch. But no one's ever said, be careful, protect that liver. Right. Yeah. Because it, it's such a hard strike to land, right? Yeah. Um, if you, if you push it's closer kick, than the face. Yeah, but if you push kick. I mean, you just don't have the power off your back to do that. So it's got to be a heel coming down. And your target is what? You know, a liver is like, what, the size maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just got to be a pinpoint strike for, for you to end a fight like that. Just hitting it alone would be difficult. So I, I don't know, but it happened. Shit, it, it, that's crazy that it actually happened. It'll be hard for that to not be the KO of the month. I don't know about KO of the year, but that was pretty unique, man. Mm-hmm. And it may mm-hmm. have netted her a, a title shot. This fight was contested at 140 pounds, Ugh, one of many catch weights or missed weights. This was a catch weight. And, of course, we know Aldana's, you know, mostly a bantamweight who's done well. And she trails Kellen Vieira, I guess, 
well, depends how you look at it. I mean, a lot of people felt like when Kellen Vera beat Holly Holm, Kellen Vera was in the pole position to fight Amanda Nunes, who's now the champion again. Now, Irene Aldana's beaten Kellen Vera, right? But she lost to Holly Holm. Kellen Vera beat Holly Holm, who beat Irene Aldana. So it's kind of like they have a a um a round robin. It's just that mm-hmm. the latest of the three was Vieira beating home. So who knows? Now, what's scary, goes if I'm Aldana, is the fact that the UFC is going to Brazil in January. You know, champion versus champion, or sorry, Brazilian versus Brazilian might make sense. Or maybe, you know, maybe they don't do that. Who knows? But either way, she did her job. She won. Yeah, this is how these situations usually play out. I mean, that's kind of easy to... Uh... I mean, it's actually now that I think about it, though, I was going to say it's easy to promote, right? The, that kick ending pretty good. Macy Chason's a, a, a good competitor. But it was 1 1 going into that round, and she had just taken a bad round. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah, that might be closer than I thought. Yeah, exactly. It was 1 1. And remember, Chason going for the takedown in round one cost her position, and Irene Aldana made her pay. But then in round two, when she did get the fight to the ground, she butchered Aldana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Johnny Walk, go ahead. No, no, I'm, I'm just playing it out in my head. I'm thinking. At first, I thought she's just in that pole position, but she might not be. Johnny Walker defeated Jan Kutalaba submission, rear naked choke. Early on, Kutalaba was kind of doing well, and then the tide turned, and Johnny Walker came back and won towards the end of the first round. Congrats to him. And then he did that little kick worm or whatever it's called, where last time he threw out his shoulder. I wish he wouldn't have done that, but he did. He's yeah. silly. He's just silly. And, um, but, you know, this is the guy that said he gave up CBD, THC. He's kind of cleaned up a little bit and he feels good. And that was a good win for him. He needed it. I still don't have any explanation as to why he was removed from the Team Mobile <laughs> Arena in uh, barefoot with his gloves still on. That I wish somebody would have would have said something about that. What the hell I heard, I heard Dana White addressing it jokingly at the end of his uh, press conference, his time on the press conference. So mm-hmm. that means he must have addressed it early on and hopefully cleared it cleared it up, or he didn't know. But it kind of came up, and um, you know, I, I yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I, I just forgot about it. So after the show, I'm going to look it up and see what's what. But um, maybe I'll post it on Twitter. So if you're listening to this show and you're thinking, fool, you should know this. You're yeah. right. I'll take that L, but I'm going to address it on Twitter. I'm at MMA Junkie George. That works for Twitter and Instagram and goes is at the goes and we'll put it out. I'll tell goes to retweet and I'll, and it'll be tonight. I'm going to try and figure out what the hell happened that he did get kicked out. He was wearing his what? He had green shorts, right? He had no shirt on. No shirt on his gloves, barefoot. Dude, but he was way too, like, laughing about it. All of them were just laughing about it too much for it to be very uh, – it couldn't have been serious. It's probably a misunderstanding or something. Yeah, probably was, exactly. Um, but good win for Johnny Walker. You know, I don't know how to feel about this guy because when he first stormed the scene and he was just wiping fools out, if you recall, he took out Henrique De Silva, Khalil Roundtree, and Justin Ledette, Misha Serkinov. And then, boom, Corey Anderson, Nikita Krylov checked his ass. He came back and got a win against Ryan Spann. Then Thiago Santos and Jamal Hill. Jamal Hill was the one that took him out earlier this year. 
But this is a big win for him. He beat Jan Kutalaba back in the win column. And, you know, that's that. In fact, because, you know, he lost four of his last five before this win. Nate has also lost a few of his fights recently. Ferguson had lost four straight. This just goes back to, yeah, they, they took advantage of the fact that Nate Diaz is a big name and he probably sells a lot of pay-per-views. But the quality of this card really wasn't that great in terms of the road to the title, what where these fighters factored in. Notice, other than Shemaev, we haven't really brought any of them up in terms of like, hey, that person, well, I guess to be fair, maybe Irene Aldana, but that's it, two of the ten. Yeah, that's it. Um, you know, with Johnny Walker, I think one of the reasons he was so highly touted when he came in the way he did was because John Jones was champ at the time, right? Correct. And now you have a kid that's young. He fights. He's a long, lanky fighter who seems to have uh, some power in his shot. I think that's why we were so high on him. But, boy, I mean, things just did not work out for that kid. And he turned it around for this fight, and I'm happy for him. But uh, I feel like CBD, all that stuff, I, I feel like it's just an excuse. I think if you just go back and watch his fights, you can look at, uh, tactically what he's doing wrong. I think that's what he has to shore up. And uh, he did a little bit of that here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of turning around goes Julian Arosa. You know, he came out of uh, Dana White Contender Series. He did the ult. So he wasn't on the ultimate fighter. And he never really made it onto the organization. He lost his only fight. Then he earned his way again through Dana White Contender Series. And after that, he suffered the losses. Got cut again, but since then, he's won five of his last six, and four of those have been in the UFC, or sorry, six of his last seven, but five of those have been in the UFC, including three in a row. He beat a difficult fighter to beat in Hakeem Duwadu. It was impressive. Duwadu didn't make weight. I can't say enough about Erosa's comeback. You know, I honestly thought he deserved a bonus. Um, On that card, if I were a coach... I can't think of a guy that I would have been more proud of as far as going out there and just giving it your all looking fantastic. He looked amazing. There's very little you could criticize about that performance. Um, It it wasn't a marquee matchup or anything like that, but for a kid that, you know, was kind of on his way out for a little bit and now has had a resurgence. He looked fantastic. He did against the tall fighter in Hakim Duwadu. So congrats to him. And I don't want to run out of time, but I'll give you the results. Jelton Almeida defeated Anton Tur- uh, Turkle. Dennis Tulalan defeated Jamie Pickett. Norma Dumont defeated Daniel Wolf. Alatang Heli defeated Chad and uh, Ann Helger. Elise Reed defeated Melissa Martinez. And Johan Lanais defeated Darian Weeks. Notice I left out Chris Barnett because that's who I want to close with. And then I'll let you kind of summarize whatever you want on these prelims. Chris Barnett versus Jake Collier. A, what a fight. B, it's too bad Chris Barnett didn't make weight. But if anyone ever made up for it goes, because obviously he ruled himself ineligible to bonuses, it's Chris Barnett. He was getting teed up. We thought his, well, for one, his eye was closing. Uh, we thought his jaw might be out of place. And apparently he had some sort of a nasal injury, but he's already been cleared. And, he, you know, he left the hospital before the press conference was over. But, oh, my God, man, he just kept coming and swinging, and Collier couldn't put him away. And then he took over the mic and put on a show. Um, if this guy could maybe shed 15 pounds and come in at 250 with 
the type of energy and toughness that he has, I'm telling you, man, he could be um, he could become a fan favorite at heavyweight. He, I don't know, fuck, I really don't know how to look at this because there, I mean, there's a couple people on the card that had the same thing, right? Like Hamza went through the same thing. For as good as he looked, there's so much else that you can that you have to look at and pick at that. I mean, they get a little credit, but like, you know, Chris Barnett, he was getting his ass kicked. He came in overweight. Uh, there are a lot of things you can look at here and be upset about. But at the end of the day, he was entertaining. And I think that's what the UFC is going to look at. I think they're basically going to say, fool, you cannot miss weight again. At heavyweight, come on, you just can't do that shit. Not to mention, like, you shouldn't be pushing the limits anyway at that stature, right? Right. Yeah, it's not like he's six six or nothing like that. I mean he's exactly. he was very he was about as tall as Rogan. So bro, you get to two sixty six, you get all that. You can't make that. Mm-hmm. He put on the type of fight that is crowd pleasing. Yeah. Uh probably not uh the people that love technique and all that. They're probably thinking, man, this is sloppy as shit. But a lot of people in the crowd are going nuts on a card that needed that, right? So there's a lot of things that you could shake this kid's hand on and say thank you for. And then there are a few things that you can also go, fool, what are you thinking? Like, well, what's going on here? So we'll have to see how he bounces back from it. But uh, am I a fan of his? Yeah. Yeah, he's me pretty damn entertaining. Kind of reminds too. me of what Tai Tui Boss is going through right now. A little know, bit. Fun. That's a good comparison, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I'm glad he's there. I just hope he, he kind of tweaks things and, and gets turns things around. Yeah, and hopefully whatever he had nasally was wasn't you know too bad, but they cleared him, so we'll see. But it did it it looked like his jaw was broken. The guys were even saying it could be nerve damage. Um, but once he started yelling into the mic and singing and dancing, like you could just tell. Okay, maybe it was his maybe it was just his way of knowing something's wrong. So he's opening his mouth, shifting his jaw himself just to figure out you know, how serious it is, but man, that dude came to fight and, and for as heavy and sloppy as he looked, you know, he did a front flip at the end, landed on his ass, albeit, but he, he did that. He, he wasn't really too out of breath. You know, how many times have we heard a fighter tell Joe, give me a moment here, you know, let me catch my breath. Mm-hmm. Nope. Not at all. This guy was yelling into the mic. I think this guy has like upside. I think we saw maybe uh, I'm going to be Kamaru Usman here. I think we saw 30% of what Chris Barnett could be, you know, we shed a little bit of weight, and and um just maybe cleaned up his striking defense and his striking because he also threw a lot of punches too to finally get the job done but hey. did you see the flip from uh the aerial camera how funny no, that looked no. oh man it looked funny dude it was funny i loved it uh did you have any other thoughts on the prelims or anything else going on with the fights here before we wrap up uh I'm just glad we're through it, honestly. I hope I, that this is this card was a little bit of a nightmare. Um, it didn't really paint much of a picture for us going forward with anything. I'm just it's the mulligan of the year. I'm glad it's out of the way. Yeah, I kept an eye on the USC Trojans. They're two and zero. I think they moved up to number seven. Congrats to them. The modern day Monarchs beat some team thirty five nothing. Great. And I'm thinking, all right, come on, 49ers. You're a six point six and a half point favorite. Get the job done in Chicago. Nope. Chicago sent us packing. Your team got away, but you had a scare. So that made it put you in a better mood. 
Yeah, than me at least. Um, heading back to the card real fast. One last thing: the bonuses did go to Nate Diaz, Irene Aldana, Johnny Walker, and Jelton Almeida. They did ask him about Barnett. He wasn't eligible for bonuses, but Dana said, "I'm going to give him something." So there Good. you go. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as Hamza Shemaev, Kevin Ioli tweeted that he wouldn't be fined thirty percent of his purse. Because technically they ripped up the contract and he made weight by agreeing to a fight for a catch weight. I'm like, oh, that's kind of like it just seems like you're circumventing something here, you know? Because if Hamza Shemaev would have done something great, would he have gotten a fifty thousand dollar bonus? But Barnett didn't. Like, I don't know. Like, wouldn't Barnett say, "Well, just tear up my contract then, and have me and uh, Collier agree at two sixty eight to make me eligible?" Like. I'd like right. to get a little bit more of an understanding of how how that works and how the commission would be okay with Lee versus D-Rod, what they would have shut down Hamza and Nate. It must mean that Nate said, no, nah, fuck that. I'm not fighting this guy. Or maybe the UFC was pissed at Hamza and wanted to punish him by taking that away because if they can't find him, then one way to take lower the pay is to, you know, your main event money is, less, is, is more than co-main event money. So maybe that's that was their way. I don't know. That's that 90. Dana White says, you don't know 90% of the stuff that happens behind the scenes. I kind of believe them, but I just wonder how much of it is like appropriate and how much isn't. True. I know with the when it comes to commissions, at the end of the day, I don't think they get pumped. So they'll, they'll get theirs, you know, what they want. Correct. Yeah, it really should have gone to, um, so Hamzat's money would have went to Nate, but I guess Nate agreed to tony and tony made way you know i don't know maybe 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 there is something there but it just sounds a little fishy and i and trust me i'm not too much into conspiracies or anything like that but i know a lot of people are and that's why they they almost wind up hating the promotion when in reality the ufc's pretty awesome man um they have their mistakes like any you know league sports league out there but um i mean 42 out of the 52 weeks weekends of the year we kind of get what we always wanted and back in the day folks there was five ufcs per year so this is 40 more cards that they give us than back then we're out of here we're out of here um this was a fun week thank you for watching the watch along thank you to sticky paws studio for hosting us the panda team the typical team and usa today sports for allowing us to do that we had a blast and uh yeah Hope you all had a nice weekend. We'll see you on Thursday's show. Uh, catch us, catch, catch spinning back click that's blowing up. People love it. So check it out on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash MMA junkie video. And don't forget to check social media. I'll see if I can get you an answer on um what was it on? What was the assignment? <laughs> uh on Johnny Walker. Oh yeah, why you got kicked out while he was barefoot. Okay. All right, folks, go out and be a champion. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast 
set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.